Welcome back. This is Engage Magazine on American Family Radio. There's been a couple of times in my life where I have experienced the results of a tornado. Living in northeast Mississippi, tornadoes are just simply a fact of life. They they come, they go, they destroy, and you rebuild. Uh, now, I will say this. I've been very blessed in that I've never had a home destroyed. Yeah. I don't know what that's like. Uh, but I have had some friends who, you know, their houses have just been absolutely uh, removed. Mm. Um, and so, you know, the thing is, when that happens and you have lost everything, uh Oftentimes, you don't know where to turn. Even believers have have problems knowing where they need to turn, where they need to go. And and it's just kind of this feeling of, okay, I've lost everything. Mm -hmm. What now? And all of a sudden, now there's this ministry, and it's called Eight Days of Hope. And they come in and say, hey, you've lost everything. And without having to pay a penny, we want to give everything to you. Um, and so it's this incredible ministry. It was started in 2005 by Steve Tiber. And if you missed any of that story, let me encourage you. Go to EngageMagazine.net slash podcast and get the information from Steve. And if you have an opportunity, you can spend eight days changing somebody's life by volunteering. Uh, they just got back. Steve, tell us real quick. We've got Steve Tiber and his daughter, Hannah Tiber, in studio with us and Jordan Shambly. Steve, uh, tell us real quick where you've been uh, for the last... Uh, eight days of hope. Yeah, so uh, last year in October, there was flooding in South Carolina, 16,000 homes flooded. So Eight Days of Hope 12 was in Black River, South Carolina. We served Williamsburg, Georgetown, and Andrews communities. And uh, we were there uh, just two weeks ago. While we were there on day number one, Saturday, Hurricane Matthew showed up mm -hmm. and wreaked havoc. And so for the first two days, uh, we were um, helping out with the flooding, the tree damage. Uh, it, was, it was chaos. I have never been in a hurricane. We usually go right after the hurricane. Uh, one car flooded out of 1,300 vehicles, and of wow. course, that was mine. But um, <laughs> that's a whole other that's story. Awesome. Uh, I went into the uh, Dollar General parking lot and opened up my my two doors and did 360s to get the water out. But don't go. <laughs> anyways, um, so we just we were there. We we rebuilt about 80 homes. We we cleared 150 trees, roughly. Um, it was a blessing. We we still had 1,200 people from 40 states show up, wow. and and even though 300 canceled because they were coming. From from North Carolina couldn't come down 95. God showed up in a big way. Mm. Uh, it was an amazing, amazing, hard, hard, but an amazing week. And Hannah, you were there for this, right? Yes, yes, I was. Um, my plane, I got a phone call Thursday night that, hey, your plane isn't going to fly out tomorrow morning. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go ahead and drive. So I drove eight hours after my first class on Friday morning and got there before the curfew hit at 8 p.m. in South Carolina. Um, mm. It was one of the one of the better trips that I've been on for Eight Days of Hope, it was amazing, and it was most definitely the toughest one to leave. Yeah. How many trips have you been on with Eight Days? I have been on, oh, there's 12, I've been on a 10 out of the 12 trips. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. And uh, now, I know you kind of hit on this in the last segment, but uh, now your dad is a bit of a left hand, you know, kind of two left hands and a little clumsy when it comes to tools, as he said. So, and an administrator. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yes. God gifts everybody differently. I'm a communicator, so, guys. Yeah. That's what I am. I'm a communicator. That's okay. Hey, we're on radio. That's so, right. Um, when something breaks here, we have to call somebody. There you go. So, Hannah, tell us a little bit. What, what all have you learned on these 10 Eight Days of Hope trips? Well, the first trip, I remember I was about eight years old when we went, and I spent my time at the headquarters, but we were still working. I remember being, like, really young and just, like, washing the tables and cleaning the floors and things like that. And from then, I've um, 
eventually got old enough to go without my parents. So I went to job sites and I learned how to do insulation and drywall and roofing and demolition and carpentry work and electrical work. And it's a really great ministry because you don't have to know any of this before you go because people are willing to teach you and to help you learn. And we're training up a new generation of leaders and builders through this ministry, but we're also fixing houses while we do it and talking to homeowners and sharing the love of Christ. Yeah, well, that's awesome. Um, so it's it's really rare or supposedly rare to see young people do something like this to sacrifice their time um, like that. Uh, was there anything um, was there anything that you wanted to do in the beginning or were you like other than this or were you just gung ho for this at the beginning? Like at the beginning of the trip or like the organization? At the beginning of the whole organization. I do not ever, like as a child, I remember just like going because, yeah. you know, we got to go, go to Your parents are going, yeah, you had And to. then at <laughs> some point it kind of hit me, you know, like I love doing this. Mm. And even now, so in college, my major is public relations with minors in nonprofits and management and organizational communications. This is my, like what I want my future to yeah. be. Maybe not necessarily eight mm. days of hope, but something mm-hmm. along the lines of this form of ministry and like disaster relief because... I love meeting people and getting mm-hmm. to know people. And there's such a need out there for people to be helped. And if our generation doesn't start stepping up and doing it, right. once the older generation is gone, this area of ministry is going to dissipate and it's mm-hmm. going to be needing. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of people um, that especially are in college right now or they're just out of college and they're starting their careers and they're thinking, man, I've got so much going on. There's there, I just, there's no time for me to do anything except focus on getting ahead or focus on building my family or not bad things. They're, they're good things. Uh, but they say that and they feel that there is no time for them to do anything else. What would you say to them? I think um, what you choose to do with your time really reflects on who you are. And when you say you don't have time, you're obviously placing things in front of Mm -hmm. what you like say you don't have time to do. Mm -hmm. But for me, this last trip came up right as my fall break hit. And of course, you know, like fall break, you're not supposed to have school, but all my teachers were like, let's give you a lot of homework to do. (laughs) So I remember being like at eight days of hope, like the day it flooded Saturday, of course, the morning we spent like cleaning out cars and stuff like that. And then like in the afternoon before the power went out, I was typing my paper. And then the rest <laughs> of the time I was studying for this because I know like it's more important for me to give up my time and to give back to people mm. than it is to focus on things that I may deem as important because there's nothing more important than sharing the love of Christ with others. Like if we fail to do that in our lives, then we might as well have not done anything else. Wow, that's good. You know, and on EngageMagazine.net, which you're listening to Engage Magazine on American Family Radio, where we talk about how we take a biblical worldview and we apply it to the everyday situations of life and just how we can live out the gospel exactly like how Steve and Hannah are doing, not just when they go and travel, but you guys are doing, uh, you know, you're doing things every day no matter where you are. So, Hannah, let me ask you this. How has serving with Eight Days of Hope impacted you while you're not serving with Eight Days of Hope? I think it gives me a really interesting opportunity to share with others about the ministry and about how unique it is. A lot of times I'll go places or like submit my resume and of course I have on there like my involvement with Eight Days of Hope and just in the last week I've talked to about five different people about being a student leader of this organization and what all it entails and like a chance to say you know like why do you go do that? Like why would you give your time to that? You could be doing so many other things and like because there's nothing else that I would want to do besides that. Like Mm -hmm. it's really important for me to be able to have this outlet to give back and to like support and it's reflected elsewhere in my life. 
Now, there's a image of our generation, the millennial generation, out there in culture where we live in our mother's basements and play video games all day, and all we do is Insta-chat, you know? Um, <laughs> if you um, miss that joke, always go back yeah, to the first yeah. segment with Steve. That's the old guy. That's right. the old guy, Steve. Yeah, um, like tweet grammar. Yeah. So uh, are there other millennials like you who work for 8 Days of Hope who go to these uh, these crises? Yes. Um, we have about 10, mm-hmm. mili- uh, 10 junior ambassadors, as we call them. We have all the rights as a regular ambassador, I guess, just we're younger, so we get to be junior, junior ambassadors. Yeah. <laughs> still get to wear the cool blue shirts, though, so it's fine. <laughs> but um, there's about 10 of us, and we try to come as much as we can, mm-hmm. and we wake up and we're on the ambassador calls at 8.30 in the morning, mm-hmm. and we try well, to get to What are ambassador the, calls? Uh, we have... Quarterly, usually, unless there's a trip coming up, calls where we discuss the ministry and like where we want to go, and we're put into teams and you know discuss whatever needs to go on. And they usually happen really early in the morning on Saturdays. Ooh, that's is, evil, Steve. Come on, man. Well, see, see, and here's our thought: there's there is the business side of ministry, mm-hmm. and there's decisions that have to be made, mm-hmm. and sometimes there's conflict. And and instead of shielding that from the next generation, right. we're trying to model on how to handle conflict, how to handle the financial part of raising a half a million dollars. When we make a decision, we value their input. She, you know, Hannah's very gifted. Now, our gifts are similar in a lot of areas, but some areas they're not. I look at things differently. It doesn't mean my my way is right and hers is wrong or vice mm. versa, but that's where we come together, different age groups, different gifts, and we talk through and pray through our decisions. So mm. the executive leaders of 8 Days Hope doesn't tell everybody, this is what we're doing, this is where right. we're going, you better yeah. show up. So it's good. like, hey, guys, this is kind of what we're thinking. This mm. is what we're feeling. And, you know, like this rapid response ministry, we shared the passion of starting this rapid response ministry after we saw this tornado right here in Tupelo. And we shared it with everyone, and we didn't hear one person say no. We heard a lot of suggestions, and we took in some of those. And that's what Hannah and the other millennials do uh, with Eight Days of Hope. Yeah, that's really good. So, Hannah, let me ask you this. You have seen more destruction and, and more loss than most people do in their entire lives, and you're only 19. Uh, how has that impacted your faith? Um, I think people that say, you know, like Christians, you're guaranteed to have like this little safety net. I think that's a little bit absurd in mm-hmm. my opinion. Yeah. And I think without understanding loss and like viewing loss or having personal loss, because we've gone through personal loss too, that you can't appreciate like the joys in life. And it's not as sweet to give back. Like I, we, our house floated a while back and I never will forget the moment that people showed up at our door in the morning saying, Hey, we're here to give back because you've given back to us. And in that moment, like we lost a a lot of stuff. And Mm -hmm. I just, from that, I've been able to go to places now and not be as insensitive. You know, when you meet a homeowner, it's, you're not going to be like, Hey, it's just stuff. It's okay. Because Hey, that's their stuff and that's all they have. So it doesn't matter if it's just stuff, they're never going to get it back. Mm -hmm. And so it gives you a different aspect and the sense of loss helps you to appreciate what you have. Yeah, because it really is. It's more than stuff. It's also, you know, story. You know, when I, knowing that you guys were going to come on air, I was walking through my house yesterday and just, you know, looking at all the things, all the stuff that I have, but it's not just stuff. It's that gift that my wife gave me on our first anniversary. It's that That guitar. It's that picture. It's Mm -hmm. that, you know, all of these different things. So it's not just things that you could buy from Walmart, but there's a story and there's inherent value, uh, if not monetary value, intrinsic value attached to these things. But, you know, there's something beyond that. Uh, whenever we, whenever you build a new house, now there's a new story. And I, I do want to hear mm. some of the stories, Hannah, from you. Can you give us a story from uh, from this last trip at South Carolina? This last trip was a, a little bit crazy. I worked on um, just, just one house, actually. Um, 
and it was the house my grandfather was in charge of. He gets a project each year, and um, it was Is that one, your dad, Steve? Yes, sir. Yeah, it was one of the seventy-nine. God bless him. <laughs> I thought he was sixty. He's been telling okay. me he's sixty. <laughs> hey, he feels sixty. That's what counts. Um, it was one of the saddest houses or situations that I've seen. This lady, um, they wouldn't give her any insurance because they couldn't tell what damage was pre-existing when it hit and i remember walking through the house for the first time of course there's already a crew of like 15 people there because my papa just goes so he's got like everybody at the house and so they're tearing off the roof and she's still living in this house and has been since it flooded and she's living in one half of the house and when you walk through you can feel the floors sinking down and on top of the floors is sitting plywood because every time it gets more wet she just keeps adding stacks of plywood so that she doesn't sink through the ground and Mm -hmm. I, I didn't get to stay to see the finished product of this house, but I heard that they finished it completely on the inside and a new roof for her and a new wall in the back and a bathroom because that was a fiasco. Yeah. And I mean, no running water, no plumbing. Oh she had God. nothing. You know, I mean, this is America. We're not talking a third world country, but a lady in South Carolina with no plumbing. Well, Steve, real quick, if somebody wants to volunteer with 8 Days of Hope, give us the website. Come on, man. 8daysofhope.com. We'd love to have you come. 8daysofhope.com. Check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And if you missed any of this, you can always check out engagemagazine.net slash podcast. You can listen to the first segment with Steve. Listen to this again with Hannah. Find some inspiration, volunteer, serve God, share truth, and apply scripture. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast do not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.